0: So this sounds strange. I, I do believe that sometimes God does speak to us in our dreams. It's actually in the Bible. One of the early titles of God is the one who speaks to us in our dreams. Anyhow, um, one of our parishioners told me the story that last week um, she lost her appointment book and she really needed it. So she prays to St. Anthony, can't find it. Um, she's kind of panicking, but she goes to bed and... Um, Then the middle of the night, I guess St. Anthony came to her in a dream and told her that her appointment book is in the bed. So when she wakes up, she thinks, well, why the heck not? So she checks the entire bed, strips the bed. It's not there. She looks under the bed. It's not there. So, okay, whatever. I guess that wasn't St. Anthony. She takes a shower. And then when she comes out of the bathroom and looks in her bedroom at the footboard, I guess there's this wire grill. And she sees her appointment book in the grill. Um, So there, I guess, St. Anthony came through. Uh, So I know this sounds kind of strange. Maybe God opened her eyes up to see what was obvious. Or another story, true story, this um, woman in Idaho Falls, grandmother, great woman, very, very sweet, always joyful. Um, Now, this is the second scrutiny. The weekend of the second scrutiny. So billions of Catholics are supposed to be praying the second scrutiny. Um, We've been doing it for 2,000 years. If you don't know what the second scrutiny is, I'll tell you in a second. But um, so all Catholics have that homework this week. She, after the Sunday Mass, prayed the second scrutiny. Her eyes be opened. um, And she has this dream. And Monday morning, she tells us a dream after mass. We used to go for coffee. She tells us this dream where she's now an elderly grandmother. But um, in the dream, she was a teenage girl again. And she grew up in the deep south. And when she was growing up, like blacks and whites drank from you know different fountains, couldn't use the same bathrooms, uh, separated on buses, always separated so in the dream she's back to being a 16 year old girl but all her grandchildren are with her who are also some of them teenagers and in the dream her grandchildren oh this is kind of key uh she's irish but her daughter married um this mexican guy so her kids are half irish half mexican loves them loves her grandchildren um and she said that when she was a teenager, I was never prejudiced. Despite everything, I was never prejudiced. And she, she's this great grandmother who fiercely loves her grandchildren. I think she always loved her grandchildren more than her own children. But um, in the dream, her grandchildren are teenagers too. Except in the dream, her grandchildren are suffering all the prejudice that blacks separated because had because. They had darker skin. And she wakes up, and two things. One, she's ticked off about, in the dream, how her grandchildren were treated. Because she loves her grandchildren. Secondly, at coffee, she kept saying this. I kept just shocked. Like, why didn't I ever speak up? If anybody would treat my grandchild that way, I would come after them. But how could I have been so blind as a teenager? I mean, I could say I was never prejudiced, but I also never stood up for anybody else. And she said, I just couldn't get over how blind I was. Um, Now, I tell the story because I think, once again, it's God opening our eyes up. And the second scrutiny is, yes, uh, we're praying that our eyes be open. Now, the first scrutiny, last week, you should be praying... That God opened your eyes to see your personal sins. I drew a blank, but um, <laughs> kidding. Um, so it gets tougher and tougher as the week's. Last week was your personal sin. Now, I gotta be honest. Most people, that's at best all they can see. Most like evangelical circles, all they really focus on is your personal sin. We're up in the ante week after week. So last week was personal sin. This week, we pray that we see, and I hate this title, our social sins. I don't like the title social sins because it means being, if you say social, it means being friendly. It's not friendly. Social sins means our systems, um, how we act together. The grandmother in the dream, she was never prejudiced. But she lived in a broken system that she never bothered to fix. And so our social sins really means our systems. Remember, Jesus came to free us. When it says free us from our sins, it also means free us from the systems of how we work. Our systematic sins are how do we work as a parish? Like it may not be my sin, but the system is broke. Open our eyes up to how... The system, how our parish, our Catholic church, our nation, your families, they're all broken in some way. It's not your personal sin. It's not your like you're killing or robbing banks or murdering anybody. But the system is broke, and we're responsible to fix it. And you can't say, and this drives me off the wall, well, I'm not prejudiced. It's not my fault. It's their fault. It doesn't matter. We all live in one house, the house of the our nation, of our parish, of our church, how your family works. In some ways, all our houses are broken. And if you live in a house and you say, well, my room's fine. Yeah, it's dripping water in my brother's room. If the house is broken, the whole house will finally fall apart. Open our eyes how we work as a nation or a church or families how it's broken. It's not a personal sin, but it's a brokenness. Open our eyes up to that. That's what you're supposed to be praying. That's why the grandmother kept saying, I can't believe how blind I was. And so uh, the readings, all three readings, deal with this idea of light and seeing. And the reason why is that um, it's a great parable, like that parable from John. It's not a parable, story of the man born blind. It's a great story because you have this I love this. The Pharisees, they keep calling themselves the enlightened ones. And the joke in the, is in the story, the Pharisees who keep saying, oh, we're the enlightened ones. They're the most blind. And the more angry they get, the more blind they are. The more they keep saying, we're the religious ones, the more blind they are. And the opposite is a blind man who, oddly enough, the blind man... Uh, is enlightened because he knows he's blind. He's the only one in the story that admits that he doesn't know everything. Uh, I love that. And his eyes are open to see how the system of religion is incredibly broke. And I love him because he gives these kind of flippant, smart-alecky answers, which you know I love. I love a good comeback. Um, And like, so... Jesus uh, heals his sight, and the Pharisees don't like this because they want to have all the power. So I, I, I'm editing this down. They start harassing him. They call him into court and make him um, uh, interview him. And they harass him there. And then just to make it difficult, they call his parents in and start harassing them and his parents are scared though so they say well he's old enough he's a man Uh, we don't know you interview him so they call them him back into court and they start to grill him and i love his smart aleck answers because um he says listen i don't know this is what i know i was born blind he healed me and now i see and they start to say how dare you lecture us we know everything um you're nothing but a sinner and So then they start asking questions. who is this Jesus? And he says, oh, and I love this. He says, oh, this is amazing. You people who say you have all the answers are asking me questions about him. If you have all the answers, uh, why are you questioning me? If we know that in the history of humanity, nobody born blind has ever seen, and that only God can restore sight, how can you say, I have all the answers, and can't figure out that the guy's from God. So then he, they start to grill him with more questions. And he says, you have a lot of questions about this Jesus. Maybe you should become his disciples. And at that point, they've had enough of a smart aleckiness, And they throw him out. Now, the great story is what happens next. Um, is that the more he suffers, the more he actually sees how the system is broken. And the point being is that Jesus wants a religion that opens our eyes up to constantly see the world better and better and better. The enemies of God, they want to use religion to keep people blind. But we want a Christ who always is enlightening us on just how blind we are. So this week, we do pray, God, reveal to us. Christ, open our eyes. See how our systems are broken. And the odd part is that This story about the man born blind, it's a great parable about uh, what happens after baptism. That's actually the main point. Because remember what happens. Jesus takes his saliva, now that's water, and in ancient Judaism and Greeks believed that your saliva had part of your spirit in it. So he takes part of the water that has a spirit in it, mix it with dirt... And Makes this clay and puts on the guy's eyes. So in case you can't figure out that's a Genesis story of the formation of Adam Scooped up the earth and mixed it with part of the Spirit of God and we got humanity so it's his humanity being born puts the uh, Clay on his eyes and tells him to wash in the pool of Salaam so the word salam means one who is sent. And that should like ring a bell. Because constantly in the Gospel of John, Jesus keeps saying, He is the one who is sent, sent by the Father. He is the one who is sent. The prophecies of the Christ are the prophecies of the one who is sent by God. So the pool of water is literally named after Jesus. It symbolizes baptism. So he's baptized. And he physically gets his sight. But the real point of the story is what happens after baptism. After baptism, he not only gains his physical sight, but every time he has to choose and every time it costs him some little bit of suffering, he starts to see the world better and better and better. And so, this sounds kind of strange, when you suffer for your beliefs, your eyes are opened even more. So don't complain that you've given up chocolate for Lent. A little bit of suffering opens your eyes up. And so finally, if you notice, um, uh, finally, every time his eyes are open more and more and he sees truth more and more. He sees Christ differently. At first he says, Jesus is a prophet. Then he says, ah, Jesus is the Christ. i uh, um, uh, sorry, uh, the son of man. And finally, he calls Jesus Lord. And only, Jews only called God, Lord, and it says he worships him. He's starting to see the presence of God more and more. And he's, the more he suffers, the more his eyes are open to realize how just broke the system is. We want to be the blind man. Yeah, we have our physical sight, but this Lent, this next week, we pray that God see how the system of our family is broken and the church is broken and our nation is broken. Give us a wisdom to, be able to see how it is. Not so that we can be cynical and bitter, but so that we can really see the presence of God. Or the same thing in the first reading. Where the first reading, Saul is completely crazy. His loss is mine. So God says, oh, I'm going to anoint a new king. And says to the prophet, go look for the new king. Go to the sons of Jesse, and I'll point out which one is a king. So he goes to the son of Jesse, and the first one, Um, the first son is super tall. And Saul was also super tall. He was like 6'2". First son, really tall, 6'2". So he thinks, oh, clearly this guy was meant to be king. And God says, nope, nope, not him. Second son, third son. Every time he came, he thinks, oh yeah, he looks like somebody who's a warrior. And each time, no, 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 no. So finally, he's through all the sons. And he goes over to Jesse and he says, Um, got a problem here. Is this all your sons? And Jesse says, Oh, well, I have one more who's a shepherd, but he's the runt. Um, he's really short. So of course he's a kid. But he wasn't even so he was so overlooked, he wasn't even invited. And like, I love the fact that he's called the runt, and of course he is a kid. He's called the shortest personally, I think that is proof that God thinks short people are holier. I mean, no, no. I, I really believe. No, seriously. Height is a measure of your holiness. Just saying. Um, and it says about him, and I like this. Here's another one, that he just doesn't fit the image of the warrior king because he's a kid, he's short, and it does say that he's handsome. But in that Hebrew, it says that, and this is supposed to shock you, he looks feminine. Why would the great warrior king that God promised look feminine? And the point being is it says, you know, God says, oh, you look on the outside. I look in the heart. Yeah, he just doesn't look like somebody who's going to turn out to be a great warrior. But God can see from the inside. The point being is that we want to see as God sees. So the prophet, this he's a holy man, but even the prophet had a deeper conversion. And the point being is that for those who are entering the church, um, they're going to come through their uh, second scrutiny. We ask them to kneel. But we show them, listen, we don't have all the answers. If you're baptized, it doesn't mean that you have all the answers. It means your eyes are starting to be open more and more and more to see things. Baptism only starts the beginning of your eyesight. So we're showing those who are entering the church, listen, we may be baptized, but we openly admit we don't have the answers. We are blind about many things. And year after year after year during Lent, we're praying for a deeper conversion. We're praying that we can see the world differently. This week, the homework is we pray to see how the system is broke so that we can see God all the more. And just like like our prisoner who prayed to find her appointment book, God did open her eyes. Just like the woman from Idaho Falls, who she prayed the scrutiny and she was shocked how blind she's been most of her life. I hope the same thing happens to us. Because the more we can see our own blindness, the more we can see God. And we can truly have a deeper conversion. We show them this is what religion looks like. Hello, this is Father Len MacMillan. I'd like to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. If they've been a blessing to you, I'd also like to invite you to prayerfully discern, supporting the podcast financially. Your generosity would help support the ongoing production and distribution of the podcast. If you'd like to make a donation, you can simply click the link in the podcast description. Be sure to tell us your donation is for the podcast in the comment section of the submission form. Again, thank you for your support as we seek to share the good news of the gospel. May God bless you for your generosity.